0: Hello, dear friends, and welcome to another inspiring edition of New Promise Church's weekly sermons. We are truly delighted to have you join us today. Whether you are a longtime member of our congregation or a first time visitor, we extend a warm and heartfelt welcome to you. Each week, we come together in the spirit of fellowship and reflection to explore timeless truths, gain spiritual insights, and draw closer to our Creator. We believe that through the power of the word and the messages shared here, we can find guidance, comfort, and a deeper connection to our faith. Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for the wisdom and inspiration that will be shared here today. Whether you're listening from the comfort of your home, during your commute, or as part of our congregation, we encourage you to engage with an open heart and an open mind. As we embark on this journey of faith together, Remember that you are not alone. We are a community bound by our shared belief, and we are here to support and uplift one another. Now, without further ado, let us turn our attention to the message that awaits us in today's episode.
1: Well, if you're here for the first time, I've been doing a series on prayer for several weeks now, and we've now approached our third week now in the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Our Father, and one of the disciples came to Jesus. He said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, in this manner, pray along these lines. And he gave us the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. And we have already looked at Our Father who art in heaven. And all those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ as, your Lord, and, as Lord and Savior have now been adopted into the family of God. We are now his children, we are all now brothers and sisters in Christ, we are family, we are united, and we now have an intimate father and child relationship with God Almighty. This relationship that we've talked about over the last two weeks, two Sundays, is the foundation by which we're going to build the rest of the Lord's Prayer, the rest of the prayers. And the foundation is this. We have a Heavenly Father who is loving, slow to anger, quick to show mercy, gracious, meek and gentle, and He's eager to forgive us. This is our Father that I speak of. This is His heart. And this is the foundation now that we're about to build our next verse on. So Jesus says, pray our father in heaven and then the next thing he says is hallowed be your name so we're praying to God we come to him God I thank you that you're my father through Jesus Christ I thank you that I can boldly come to your throne of grace because Jesus paid for all of my sins past present and future I thank you that you love me so much and unconditionally Thank you that you never have angry eyebrows looking at me anymore because you're not my judge anymore, you're my Father. So we pray this to the Lord, and then Jesus says, pray, Hallowed be your name. Now we say, Hallowed be your name, and we usually say that as a proclamation, but it's actually a prayer also. That Jesus wants us to pray, Lord, Hallowed be your name. We pray that your name is hallowed. Lord, may your name be hallowed in my life. Lord, may your name be hallowed in my family and in my marriage. Lord, may your name be hallowed at New Promise Church. Lord, may your name be hallowed in the United States of America. Lord, may your name be hallowed in the world. He says we're to pray that his name is to be hallowed. So what does it mean to hallow something? Well, it's the Greek word hagiazo. And it's very similar to a Greek adjective that I've mentioned a few times, hagios. And it means to make holy, to set apart, to make a distinct gap between two things. Like, God's name and anything else it's a distinct gap his name is distinctly different from anything else he says I want you to make my name distinctly different than any other name in this world and I want you to do this because I am distinctly different from anyone or anything that exists in the universe let's look at our first slide In case you think God is the man upstairs and, and we casually think we could talk to him, I hear people say sometimes like, boy, when I get to heaven, I got some questions for God as if we're going to call him out on what he's done. But this is what God says about himself. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What are some names in the world that we hallow, that we set apart from other names? Tom Cruise. Imagine Tom Cruise walking into our church today and sitting right here. Imagine that. You know, Mission Impossible, Maverick, Top Gun—we'd hallow him. He's Tom Cruise. He's—I mean—the biggest star in the world, one of the greatest actors ever. Imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger walking into here. He was one of my childhood heroes. I did a book report on his biography in 11th grade because I was into bodybuilding, action hero, politician. And what would we want Arnold to say after his first time here? I'll be back. (laughs) I thought of that this morning. I said, I gotta say it. I gotta say it. Okay, Michael Jordan. Imagine Michael Jordan coming in here. One of the greatest, maybe the greatest, basketball player of all time. And my hero, Sylvester Stallone. Imagine Stallone coming in here. Rocky Balboa. I mean, I have posters of the guy in my garage and in my basement next to my boxing paraphernalia. Sly Stallone. We set their names apart from other people. They're famous. We're awestruck by them. But let me ask you something. What has any of those people ever done for you? Other than cost you $50 at the movies for popcorn and a ticket. Maybe they've inspired us in some way But at the end of the day they don't know us They probably will never know us They probably don't care about us Maybe, I don't know And they've certainly had no Eternal significance in our lives Yet we hallowed their names We set them apart Jesus On the other hand Knows us Loves us Cares for us Died for us and has affected our lives now and for all eternity. We are seated in heavenly places with Him right now. Let's look at a slide about our Lord. Therefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our goal in this church, one of our main goals, is the exaltation of Jesus Christ, the name above every name. Next slide, please. Nor is there salvation in any other For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If there's one name that should be hallowed in this world, it's the name of Jesus. Yeshua, the Lord who saves. That is what his name means. Unfortunately and tragically, the one name that should be hallowed above all others is despised, rejected, hated, and used as a cuss word. That's the world. That's what the world thinks of Jesus. And why? Our next slide. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. If you love Jesus, it's because you love the light, because the light's in you. But if you don't know the Lord, you hate the light. You cuss the light. But today for us as Christians, He's the name above all names. God has many names in the Bible. I was trying to study this. There were different lists. It it sounds like there's like about a hundred, give or take, different names and titles of God that are used numerously throughout the Old and New Testament. Today we're just going to look at a handful of them, and we're going to hallow them. We're going to hallow God's name. We're going to set it apart. Let's look at our first name on the slide. One of the names of God is Jehovah-Jireh. It means our provider. We set him apart as the ultimate provider. No one provides better than God. The Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. (laughs) Cattle all over hills. He owns every one of them. He owns everything. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The Bible doesn't say God will supply out of his needs, but according to them. You see, if I had to supply for you according to what I have, I don't have that much. I couldn't give you much. But God, according to what he has, he has much to offer us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. Next slide. Another name of God is El Roy. He is the God who sees. God sees everything. He sees our hearts. He sees our lives. He sees our circumstances. You may not think he understands what you're going through, but he does. He sees everything. Nothing escapes his sight. Next slide, please. This in a slide, but I got the scripture here. Hebrews 4.13 And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Both saved and unsaved people, he sees everything. Our next name, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Everything in the world that gives us peace, it's temporal. The world is like chewing Wrigley's gum. You chew it, it tastes good. Five minutes later, you've got to put a new piece in. You lose the flavor. That's the world. You know, speaking of Sylvester Stallone, there's a documentary on his life on Netflix that I watched, and fascinating. He's, what he has done is unbelievable with Rocky and all the movies. But at the end of his life, he's still striving you see this emptiness in him that he there's still no peace and he admits it and he thinks another movie's going to do it you know another another thing in the world but nothing satisfies but Jesus he is the pr- prince of peace lasting peace inner peace and eternal peace jehovah shalom and one more next slide Elohim the God who is all powerful Elohim is used multiple times in the Old Testament and it's used in the first verse of the Bible in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning Elohim the all powerful God created everything and it's interesting as a side note here it's a plural noun, which means a plurality of persons. So one, more than one person created the heavens and the earth. Genesis one twenty six says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The first few verses of the Bible are, are already alluding to the Trinity. That, that sounds like what, what he's talking about. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were involved in creation. So what we're going to do right now is we're just going to take a few minutes and we're going to hallowed Elohim. We're going to set Him apart from everybody and everything. I'm going to brag about my Father because Elohim is my Father. This same Elohim that created everything has intimacy with me as a father he brings that balance to my soul so listen to this about our father's creation <clears throat> our solar system contains the sun and eight planets it's pretty pretty amazing you know our sun is just one star in the pro- in the midst of approximately 200 billion stars in the milky way one star our sun out of 200 billion in the Milky Way. So imagine a grain of sand and then North America. That's the sun in the Milky Way. God created this. You kids didn't know you had science class today, did you? It's good to learn this stuff. 1,300,000 earths could fit inside the sun. There's a star called Epsilon that could hold 27 billion suns. They've seen these things. Scientists are telling us this. About 10 years ago, a Hubble telescope observed the farthest view ever into the universe. They viewed a small concentrated area of space where they found 10,000 galaxies similar and bigger than the Milky Way. Based on this, they estimate that there are at least 200 billion galaxies in the universe. I mean, I'm getting it's like I'm drinking a slushy, getting a brain freeze up here. Okay? Elohim, <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> Elohim, Sylvester Stallone. Who do we hallow? We need to hallow the creator of the universe. Let's look at our next slide. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. He knows how many stars there are, and He has a name for every one of them. Wow. Next slide. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? Oh, we should be humbled in worship as we read these things right now. Next slide. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Based on all these little facts that I came up with, based on the Scriptures, God says the whole earth should stand in awe of Him, in reverence. And the whole earth should fear Him. Do you fear the Lord? I'm going to talk about the fear of the Lord for a few minutes here. To hallowed God's name is to fear him. Next slide. Next slide, please. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice in trembling. Next slide please. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you I will worship toward your holy temple. Next slide. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does it mean to fear God? Well, we know He's our Father. We know He loves us and He's gracious and slow to anger. As Christians, it does not mean that we're afraid of God, like we're flinching when we come to prayer. He's no longer our judge. He's now our Father. At salvation, you were justified. You were declared righteous. The the guy who was judging you forgave you and then he said not only am I forgiving you you don't have to go to jail you're in the family I'm your father now and that never changes John 5:24 says most assuredly I say to you he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life So God is not looking at us with angry eyebrows anymore as Christians. To fear God as a believer is to approach His throne with reverence, respect, and awe. Reverence, respect, and awe. Now I know all human analogies are weak trying to compare them to God, but we'll draw a little bit out of my family You know, I have seven kids. I have four sons, they are my oldest. They've been working for me since they could reach the top of my truck. I love them all my life. I've hugged them, I've kissed them, I've told them I love them. And they're grown men now. And I talk to them on the phone I love you, Dad. I love you too. There's love, there's affection. But my sons respect me. They, they don't just treat me as their buddy. We are friends, but I'm their father, and there's a certain amount of respect there between a father and son. And that's the way it should be with God. We're still affectionate with Him, but we need to respect Him for who He is. One of the mistakes we do as people is we isolate God's attributes and we build a view of God based on just one attribute. Some people say, you know, the Bible says God is love. So that's who God is. God is love. If you only focus on love, it means you'll think He has an abundance of affection toward you, but no standards of righteousness. You can just do whatever you want. If we only focus on God's holiness... He'll seem legalistic to us. It'll all be rules and regulations with no relationship. If you're only focused on God's wrath, you're going to just see Him as an angry God who has no sense of love and grace. But all of God's attributes exist at one time. And we have to look at them together all at one time. And this is why you have to know your Bible. This is why you have to come to church and hear different things about God. Every week there's different scriptures about Him on that screen and we put that together. All of God's attributes exist at one time and they reveal a God who is perfect and perfectly balanced. Let me name two byproducts of fearing God Proverbs 1 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge Proverbs 9 10 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding having wisdom knowledge and understanding in life begins with fearing God for having respect and reverence for him and awe. And listen to this statement now. The whole world needs to hear this. You will never have a proper view of life until you have a proper view of the Almighty. You will never see life correctly until it is filtered through this book because the creator of the world gave us the owner's manual. And this is how life exists through this. I'm absolutely amazed as I see these brilliant atheists, smart guys. I'm watching on YouTube. They've got all these degrees, all this knowledge, science, biology, smart. And they have the lack of common sense to say "There's there's no evidence of God in the universe. There's no evidence of God in the universe. None. These smart people. Scientists. I mean smart guys. Really know a lot. I watch them on TV. Raving. About a possible amoeba sized cell on Mars. That they think has life. And they want to spend billions of dollars to go to Mars and they can't look at an ultrasound and see that that baby is alive that that's a life this is the wisdom of the world there is no knowledge there is no wisdom there is no understanding apart from the fear of God there's not even any common sense 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says Satan has blinded their eyes that all this knowledge but they don't understand the spiritual and the common things of morality. So let's close with this. My question to you. Do you fear God today? Do I fear God? We're certainly called to even though He's a loving Father? Do you hallow at His name? Do you pray for His name to be hallowed? Let me ask you first as Christians, as born-again followers of Jesus, Proverbs 8.13 says to me and to you, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and every evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Let me read that one more time. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and every evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. How do you know if you fear God? It won't be in here. It'll be when you go home and you got the remote in your hand. And if you put on a rated R movie and it's got 100 F-bombs 20 people's throats getting slashed sexual immorality nothing about God in it and you could sit there and watch it and not turn it off you don't fear God because the Bible says to fear the Lord is to hate evil, pride arrogance in every evil way How do I know this? Because God's words teaches it and because I'm guilty of it, of not fearing God. I've had to repent of that, as you must. You're at work, in the lunchroom. Everyone's gossiping about one of the other workers. It's not good. And you gossip right along with them. You don't fear God. You must repent. You're on a construction site. There's 10 guys eating lunch and they're telling dirty jokes and everybody's laughing. And you laugh along with them. You don't fear God. You must repent. I'm guilty of every all three of those. But I've repented and I'm going to continue to repent. My brother Freddie, who plays the keyboards here. We've been praying together for almost forty years. And we get together and we ask God. And we, we get together and we share our weaknesses and our sins. And we've come up to with the conclusion many times we don't fear God. And we pray for the fear of God as we must. Finally, are you an unbeliever? Do you, have you not put your faith and trust in Christ? Do you fear God? You should. Because you've heard me say now, He's not our judge anymore as Christians, but He is your judge. And He will judge you. Let's look at our last slide. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear Him. If you don't know Jesus, the wrath of God is upon you doesn't have to be though Jesus took your wrath on the cross and he wants to give you his righteousness but you must repent and believe there may be people in here I've been preaching here now for months and months and I there's not a week I've come up here that I have not shared the gospel and some of you may still be sitting here and you still have not believed you need to fear God because you are not promised tomorrow. There's millions of people in this earth who thought they were waking up today to a normal day, and they are dead, and they faced judgment. And if they didn't have Christ, they were lost. May the Holy Spirit speak to your hearts today as Christians and non-Christians. And the wonderful thing is the grace of God is here right now. You can be forgiven and be in God's family today. You don't have to face the wrath of God. And if you don't embrace Christ and you die, boy, you'll never forget this day forever. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for the souls of men right now. To everyone who's listening to this, to everyone who will listen to it on YouTube or on our website, may Your Word not return void. May it land on good soil. And may people repent and believe and be saved. What a joy it would be for me to be in heaven one day and hear I was there, I heard You. And I accepted Christ. I'm born again. I'm in heaven because I heard the word of God. Lord, I pray that Your Spirit put conviction all over us today. I know You didn't put condemnation on us because Your Word says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We also know, Father, that sanctification is a pro- is a process. It's It's progressive sanctification. But help us to remember this message today. And when we don't fear you, help us to repent and to ask for the fear of the Lord. Help us to grow in the fear of the Lord. We hallowed your name right now, Lord. And we pray that it will be hallowed in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our church, New Promise Church, in this city, in this country, in this world. We pray, God, that your name would be hallowed and the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, will be high and lifted up. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we worship together. For my benediction, I want to read the words of King Solomon. Supposedly the wisest man to ever live, had it all. If anybody should be satisfied with stuff, it would be King Solomon. He said in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house, Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. I mean, imagine whatever you wanted, you had. In the last, second last verse of Ecclesiastes, this is our benediction, what he came up with. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. May we go forth and try to do that this week in the power of the Spirit. Pray for one one another this week. We all need it. God bless you.